0: and let's begin reading about verse 17. And Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well, and bring him to me. Then answered one of the servants, and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that is cunning and playing, and a mighty, valiant man, a man of war and prudent in manners in matters and comely a comely person and the lord is with him wherefore saul sent messengers unto jesse and said send me david thy son which is with the sheep and jesse took an ass laden with bread and a bottle of wine and a kid and sent them by david his son unto saul And David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor-bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David, I pray thee, stand before me, for he hath found favor in my sight. And it came to pass, when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took a harp and played with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. I want to preach this morning uh, in the form of a question. I want to present my title, and uh, maybe the scripture that I read doesn't seem to connect well with this title, but just uh, ride with me for a little while. Will you allow him? Will you allow him to be king? Will you allow him to be king? I want the Holy Ghost to help us today. We need his strength. We need his blessing upon the continuation of this service. Would you right now lift up your voice to the Lord and let's talk to God. Let's seek the face of God in this place for his anointing, his blessing upon the remainder of this service. Would you pray with me, Lord? I desire you, I hunger, God, for your touch. I pray for your mighty anointing upon this place. I pray, God, that this word would be applied to our hearts today. Strengthen us, everyone. Help us. Bless us, everyone. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it and praise you for it right now. Would you clap your hands to the Lord and thank him with me together. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. In the literary world, there is what is known as the Shakespearean tragedies. This is a list of about 12 plays or so that Shakespeare wrote that are very emotional. And they are called tragedies because they portray love stories and talk about Lovers being separated and heartbroken, and even in some cases ending in death. And one of the great tragedies of the Bible is the life story of Saul. Initially, it seemed that he would be the most suited of all the young men of Israel to be king of God's people. He came from the least of the tribes, the tribe of Benjamin. And so, having been raised in humility, it seemed that he himself was a very humble person. He was one that was physically striking, head and shoulders above all the men of Israel. He seemed to have all of the physical qualities that it would take to be a leader and to be a king. He did not possess a attitude of entitlement. In fact, when he was anointed to be king, he at first, first argued with Samuel and said that he was not worthy, he was not the one that surely God would choose to lead his people. He started out so good, it seems like he started out so humble, he started out on the right track. However, power has a way of doing funny things to people after becoming king, we see that there is a swift change that takes place in King Saul's attitude and in his heart. Samuel once said to Saul, he said, when thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou made head of the tribes of Israel and anointed of the Lord. As a result of of Saul's disobedience, and my focus is really not upon Saul this morning, I... I'm not wanting to preach necessarily about uh, the beginnings of his rule as king or how he became king. There's something that I'm wanting to get to later in this story, but it was through his disobedience to the direct command of God to slay all of the Amalekites, and his rebellion against this command led to his rejection of, as being king. The Bible says it this way. It says that God actually stripped the kingdom from him. And he gives it to another man, a younger man by the name of David. David begins to emerge. He also has very humble beginnings. But David was a young man that had a heart after God. It started, no doubt, on the hillsides while he was overseeing his father's flock. As he would play his harp and sing melodies unto the Lord and worship the Lord, he was there alone, a lot of time for him to pray, a lot of time for him to have fellowship with God. And this developed David into being a man of God. And there were instances in his life where you can see that he was a man of valor. He was a man that was willing to stand up for what was right. He had this testimony that when A bear came into his father's flock to take one of the lambs that he stood up against it, and he slew the bear. And God helped him and delivered the bear unto his hand. It was also a time when a lion came to prey upon that flock. And the scripture tells us that David, by the help of the Lord, did the very same thing. Slew uh, the lion and rescued the lamb. One would say, "Well, you know, maybe, maybe the little ewe lamb would not even be missed if David had not stood up to the lion or to the bear. Maybe there's a possibility nobody would have found out whether or not he protected his father his father's flock or no but but David had such character, David had such integrity David had." A willingness to stand up for what is right. And everything that Saul is, David is not. And everything that David is, Saul is not. Saul is really the antithesis of David. But one of the ironies of this story is the fact that Saul really needs David. I think that this was something that perhaps bothered him. That he, being the man of position that he was, uh, the man that wore the crown of the nation of Israel, a man of authority, a man of power, a man of prestige, would have have to need or find himself in need of a shepherd boy. But that's just the way it was. He actually needed David. And Saul needs David for three reasons. David makes Saul feel better. He makes him feel better. When an evil spirit, the Bible says of the Lord, when he disobeyed God, his anointing was taken away from him. I'll never forget, many of you probably heard me tell this story of traveling to San Francisco with my wife one afternoon, and we went into an art museum there, and there was a A life-size sculpture of King Saul sitting upon his throne. And one of the things that caught my attention was that the sculpture had so articulated this, this scene of Saul having the anointing taken away from him. His scepter was leaned over to the side. His hands were grasping his heart. The artist had placed tears running down the cheek of Saul, and you could tell this was a moment of anguish for King Saul as the anointing was being taken. It was actually being stripped from him. And instead of enjoying the anointing and feeling the fulfillment of God's presence and being king and knowing that God's favor is upon you, knowing that God is walking with you, Knowing that God is helping you in this task and in this duty that you're endeavoring to fulfill. I can't think of nothing that would be any more horrible than to be in such a position to lead God's people yet with the absence of God's anointing. With not, not the ability to have the help of God and the influence of God and the favor and the direction of the Lord and the guidance of God. I wouldn't want to try to endeavor to lead God's people or to do a work for God of any kind without the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you folks that the anointing is critical. It's important. We cannot survive without it. You need the anointing of God as a father to lead your family. You need the anointing of God, Mother Uh, upon your prayers to influence your home. You need the anointing of God, young person, as you lead your life and walk through this world that is filled with darkness and corruption. You need the anointing of God to direct you. You need the hand of God upon you. You need the favor of the Lord in your life. There's something to be said for the favor of God. Because if you've got the favor of God, it doesn't matter how dire the circumstances. It doesn't matter where you are or what kind of situation that you're placed in. You know if you've got the favor of God, you can handle it. If you've got the favor of God, you're going to come out of it successfully. If you've got the favor of God, you're going to continue to be blessed in spite of the circumstances of life important to have the the favor of God. The Bible said that though Joseph was in Egypt and all of these events turned against him, the scripture says that he was favored by God. Doesn't matter how much the devil tries to push you down or life tries to push you down, if you got the favor of God, you're always going to rise to the top. You're always going to come out. You're always going to be victorious. You're always going to be a conqueror. You're always going to overcome if you can keep the favor of God. Praise the Lord. A lot of people fight to keep position. They fight to keep power. They fight. Amen. Wars have been waged over people trying to fight to keep their, their lands and their territories and their power and their dominion. But when you got the favor of God, you can always have dominion over the devil. When you've got the favor of God, you can always emerge out of the situation knowing that greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. Doesn't matter what I face. Doesn't matter what I go through if I've got God on my side. But when Saul lost his anointing, he lost the favor of God. And in place of it, in place of the anointing that came from God, I want you to listen to this. There came an evil spirit, the Bible says, from the Lord. From the Lord. God allowed this to happen. Rest that used to come easy. No longer could Saul lay his head down on his pillow and find sleep, but it tormented him. It kept him awake at night. When he was alone, it it was there. It would torment him. It was something... Uh, that would come on him like a fit, it would come on him at the most unexpecting moments and it made his life miserable. And in desperation he had tried everything he knew to do and he thought to himself maybe if there was someone that could play some soft music in the background that would help me and that would comfort me just a little bit in my torment And so he asked one of his servants, he said, is there anybody that you know that plays skillfully upon the harp? And so God takes this man from obscurity, David, that has been practicing in the wilderness upon his harp and singing psalms unto the Lord and worshiping God on a daily basis. Can I tell you that God will promote you God will, will elevate you. God will bless you if you'll learn how even in obscurity to live for him faithfully. Even in private, if you'll learn to, to live your life and to, to live out your days in integrity and having character before God. God will always, it doesn't matter how obscure you may think you are. It doesn't matter how that you think that you're hidden from the crowds and, and it didn't seem like anybody's ever noticed you. If you're a worshiper, God will notice you. If you're a person that has lived in integrity, God will notice you so God calls for for this young man and, and brings him into the presence of royalty. And he plays his heart before King Saul. And it did comfort him. And it drove the evil spirits away. I think it was more than just music. I think it was an anointed man of God that was playing music. That's what drove that evil spirit from Saul was a man that had anointing upon him, a man that had a walk with God. I'm going to tell you, the devil still fears people that have a real relationship with God, that know how to pray, that know how to touch God, that know how to worship, that know how to respond to his spirit. And this was something that made no doubt Saul in this times of torment feel better. He felt uplifted. He felt encouraged. The despondency would dissipate. and The the torment would would go away for at least a little while. As David would play that anointed music in the presence of Saul. I'm going to tell you something. Church makes all of us feel better. Being in the presence of the Lord makes all of us feel better. I don't know about you, but every time I come to this house, every time I'm in his presence, every time we come together and we worship God, it doesn't matter how I may have came into this place, as I leave this place, I'm always better. I'm a better person. I'm a better Christian. I'm a better individual. After leaving the presence of the Lord. You cannot be in the presence of the Lord. And not be impacted by it. You cannot be in the presence of the Lord. And be unaffected by it. You cannot be in the true presence of God. And it did not do something to you. It not change you. You, you may came into this place. And, and facing challenges in your life. That you don't know what to do with. But as you leave this house. House, you're going to feel better your faith fortified uh, amen your spirit strengthened uh, you're going to leave this place uh, with peace in your heart that you didn't have when you came there's something about the presence of the lord that when we get in his presence uh, we just feel better i said it just it's just better for all of us when we come into the presence of almighty god Amen. We sing a song around here that there's no place that I'd rather be. There's no place that I'd rather be. I can identify with that. There's no place I would rather be but in the hands of God, in the presence of God. There's no place I'd rather go to than the church. Amen. There's no place I'd rather dwell but in the presence of the Almighty. There's no place that I know to run to like the sanctuary of the Most High God. When we come to this house, there's strength. When we come to this house, there's blessing. When we come to this house, we're lifted. When we come to this house, amen, God, God shines upon us. Oh, why don't you lift up your hands. If you want to feel better, you need to get in the presence of God. If you want the Lord to touch you, you need to get in his presence this morning. Made him feel better. It makes us feel better when we come to the house of God that's not all that all that David did for Saul but David makes Saul look better amen when the giant stood in the valley of Elah and he cries with a loud voice send me a man you know who he was talking to there's only one man in Israel that stands head and shoulders above all the rest There's only one man in Israel that would even compare it all to this giant. That would even measure up to being a challenger of this giant of the Philistines. What he was actually saying is send your champion. Send your big boy out here. Send your your biggest man and that would be Saul. Tell him to quit hiding in the tents. Tell him to quit standing behind his army and just come out here and fight me one-on-one. And the Bible says, again, because of the anointing, if the anointing of God that had first rested upon Saul had still been resident upon him, I don't think he'd have had any problem at all heading down into that valley. And we would have been reading about Saul slaying a giant instead of David slaying a giant. But Saul is afraid because he has no anointing. He has no favor of God. And so David, a shepherd boy, goes down and accepts the challenge that nobody else, and particularly Saul, was unwilling to stand up to. And as a result, he takes the pressure off of Saul. Saul. He takes the stress off of Saul. Because now, no longer are the people looking at Saul and saying, when are you going to go down there and fight this giant and take care of him? You're you're the mighty warrior. You're You're the man that stands head and shoulders above all the rest. You're the largest man and the biggest and most prominent man in Israel. Why don't you go down there and fight him? But a shepherd boy takes his place. And a shepherd boy goes down there. And he makes Saul look good when he takes that giant down. Amen. When he stands up to the challenge of the enemy. And uh, the Bible tells us that God, no doubt, guided that stone into the forehead of the giant but david didn't stop there he not only knocked the giant down he went and unsheathed his sword and he cut his head off and he took that head underneath his arm and he brought it back to saul and said here it is this this is this is what god has done for us this is how god has blessed us and david makes saul look better I'm going to tell you, come to church, being in the presence of the Lord, being being full of the Holy Ghost, uh, coming here in this house, uh, amen, enjoying the touch of God and the anointing of God, it makes all of us look better. Some of us came in here ravaged by sin. We come in here scarred by the world. We come into this house with all kinds of uh, mixed up things going on in our lives. And our lives in turmoil and twisted up. But God, he made all of us look a whole lot better when he got done with us. When that potter got a hold of our lives, he began to form this clay. It was no longer a vessel that was just good enough for refuse. But it's a vessel of honor now. It, it's a bl- blessing it's a masterpiece why because god makes all of us look better when he gets a hold of our lives god makes all of our lives look a whole lot more valuable a whole lot more worthwhile when he gets a hold of us david makes saul look better but not only does he make him feel better and make him look better but he did allow him to be better, life to be better for Saul. He improved his quality of life, not only by slaying this giant, but also by slaying the Philistines. One occasion he slew 200 at one time and brought back proof of the victory. And this was so astonishing to Saul, he couldn't even believe that this had happened. He had said, if you go out and kill a hundred, and he thought there's no way possible for him to do that, I don't want to give him my daughters, I promised that I would give him if he killed this giant, so I'm going to send him out on an impossible mission, and hopefully he gets himself killed in trying to fulfill that mission. He sends him out to kill a hundred Philistines, and the Bible said he'd come back with proof that he had killed two hundred. Hey, that's a man that has God's favor on him. That's a man that's blessed by the Lord. That's a man that has the hand of God upon his life. That's a man that's anointed. That's a man that God is favoring. And so, as a result of David slaying the Philistines and taking control of the enemy, it improves, improves the life. A soul. that's what church does for every one of us and improves our life oh yeah don't sit there and shake your head like you don't know what i'm talking about some of you came in here you didn't have two nickels to rub together drove up in an old jalopy that you was just hoping made it to church lived in an old broken down home and God has improved your life. You know, some people can't make sense of it. They think, they think that, that they, they can't possibly give up that 10% to give to the Lord. That that is already His. But we've proven that 90% goes a whole lot further than 100%. We've already proven that. Some people said, I I can't give sacrificially. But we've already proven that anything you give to the Lord, he gives back to you. The Bible said, shaken down, pressed together, and running over. We've already proved that. You come too late to tell me that this giving program of God's doesn't work. I'd rather give to God than to give to anything else. There is no investment that gives a better return than God's investment plan. I said, if you give to the kingdom of God, you're given to something eternal. You're given to something that nobody else can manipulate. God is faithful. God always gives back. That's why the wise man said, put your bread on the water. And in many days, it will return to you. In other words, when you need it, it will always be there. Some of us, uh, we're reaping the benefits of faithfulness and giving in the past God has taken care of us now you know why I don't get all uh, I don't get all afraid and, and bite my nails off to the elbow when when the economy tanks and when problems come with all of that is because I've never seen the righteous forsaken David said or his seed begging for bread if you've been faithful you don't have anything to worry about If you've been doing it right, you don't have anything to worry about. But I have found that people that just didn't have the faith to give to God and be faithful to God, you know what? They always find themselves in need. Yeah, somebody's going to get that money. It may be the guy that sells tires. It may be the mechanic. Yeah, it may be the body man. Yeah. It may be a myriad of other things. It's a whole lot cheaper and affordable to give to God what is His. And He protects us. He watches over us. The Bible said... In the book of Malachi, that when we give to the Lord, that he rebukes the devourer. Do you realize there's a devourer that wants to strip you of everything you've got? There's a devourer that wants to take you down and destroy you, and, and and if you faithfully give to the Lord, you don't have to do anything else. You don't have to go around. I rebuke you, devil, and, and plead in the blood of Jesus. And I know there's times that we it's appropriate to do that, and we pray in that manner. But 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 every time you walk down this aisle and you place that tithing envelope or that offering in, in that pan, you know what you're doing. You're saying, "I rebuke you, devil. Get your hands off of my home. Get your hands off of my." family. Get your hands off of my life. That's the truth. That's what the Bible says. You rebuke the devout. Something about having the favor of God. Hallelujah. God has improved our lives. By being in his presence, the Bible tells me there's fullness of joy here and there's peace that passeth all understanding here in the presence of the Lord. It's in the presence of God that I find true pleasure, the scripture tells me. Not this pseudo pleasure that the world talks about and it advertises. But I'm talking about pleasure that doesn't leave you with a hangover. Pleasure that doesn't leave you with a bunch of regrets. Pleasure that doesn't leave you feeling bad about yourself. And condemned about what choices you made the night before but I want to tell you if we get in his presence here today and tonight and we experience a real touch of God we're going to wake up feeling better even tomorrow and the next day and the lingering effects and the residue and the residual of God's presence is so great and so powerful and so wonderful that's why it just gets better as every day goes by that's why an old saint of God can stand and say it's sweeter now than it was when I got into this thing because the Holy Ghost is more real to me now than it ever has been. But none of these things that Saul needed David for were really proper motivations. None of these things that he sought David for really fulfilled david's purpose in his life oh yeah because david was anointed to be king david i want you to come make me feel better david i I want you to come make me look better david I, i want you to come and improve my my life and lifestyle and make things better for me But David, there's one thing that I'm never going to relent. There's one thing I'm always going to deny you. I'm never going to allow you to be king. Not as long as I live am I ever going to allow you to be king. Because for you to be king means that you're going to have authority, and you're going to have dominion, and you're going to be in control. And that I am going to have to submit to you. So you're never going to be king. I want you to make me feel better. I want you to make me look good. And I want you to improve my life. I want you to bless me. I want you to be there for me. I want you to rescue me. When that evil spirit comes on and it torments me and it it, it, it feels like it's, it's so much pressure and stress upon me, I, I want you to be there to play your harp skillfully and I want you to drive through your anointing that spirit away from me. I, w- I want to have peace when I need it. Uh, I want you to be there, David. And when an enemy comes and I, I can't face the challenge and I'm unable to execute and I'm, I, I'm unable able to stand up to the challenge. It's bigger than me. I want to be able to call on you David and I want you to come. I want you to rescue me. I want you to help me in my time of trouble. I want you to get me through the problem and when I need I need just a little extra nudge of encouragement. I want you to be on call. You hear me? I want you to improve my life. I want you to make me feel better. I want you to make me look good and I want you to improve my life but you can't. Never be king. I'm going to tell you, God's not interested in just making you feel good on Sunday. God's not interested in just giving you a rise in your emotions so that you can, you can live off of that for a few days till Wednesday rolls around and then you walk back in here and he boosts you up. We're, we're more than just a, a good encouragement club here. We're not motivational speakers but we need the Holy Ghost to get down on the inside of us. We need the Holy Ghost to take control and influence our lives. We need to acquiesce to the Spirit of God and let it work on areas that we before have set our off limits and said no way and we cordoned them off and said this is my domain and this is where I'm in control and you have no control here. You need to say God there's no doors that are shut to you. There's no lines that you can't cross. There's no areas that are forbidden. You're not prohibited from going into any area of my heart. Anything that you want. Anything that you desire. Any place you want to go. Anything that you expect of me. Anything you want to ask of me. I'm here. I'm willing. God I want you to be king of kings and lord of lords in my life. I'm giving you access. I'm stepping down. Bible tells us that when that king of Nineveh realized that that judgment was coming. And the only thing that could turn that judgment around was repentance. This man in authority. This man that sat on the throne. Took his crown off. Took off his vesture. That proved that was that apparel that that showed what position that he had. He took it off and he put on sackcloth and he began to cry and he began to to repent and he began to call on the name of the Lord. He got down off his throne. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you something. If we're going to have a real of God in our lives and if God is going to be able to change circumstances in our lives and and if God is going to be able to really bless us the way we desire him to, it's going to be because we get off the throne and put him on the throne. Isaiah said in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. King Uzziah is typical of the flesh as long as flesh rules, as long as flesh is in control. You can never see the Lord like you really need to see here. But when Uzziah gets off the throne when, when when Uzziah dies when the flesh dies amen I saw the Lord and he was high and lifted up and his train it filled all the temple but we just want the benefits and the blessings and make me look good Get me out of this jam, God. Rescue me. Throw me a lifeline. And God's saying, all I want to be is king. All I want you to do is put me on the throne. Amen. I'm not just here to make you look better, make you feel better, and improve your life. And I can do all of that. But I'm here to change your life. And the only way I can change your life is for me to be king of your life. The Bible said in Mark chapter 5 that Jesus made a journey across the sea and he landed in the country of the Gadarenes. And there was a man that came out of the tombs. A man that looked looked a mess. Blood running. Frothing at the mouth cutting himself with stones. Naked, the Bible says. Dirty, grimy. A wild look at his eye. The Bible says that he fell at the feet of Jesus. Asked for deliverance. And the Lord, of course, gave him what he asked for. And those demons that the Bible says that there was a legion of, they besought the Lord not to, not to descend them out of that country. But could we not go into that herd of swine that is there? And the Bible says, and I've went to that place. It's a, on the side of a hill and the sea is down below. And the Lord commanded those spirits to go into, them, into those pigs, the swine. And the Bible says they ran down that steep place into the sea and drowned. The report came back to the men of the countryside that was the farmers that owned these pigs. They were happy that the man that they had tried to keep their family safe from, the man that was the story and the haunted sordid story of the countryside and finally been healed and made whole. Clothed and in his right mind. That was a reason to celebrate. That was a reason to get excited. That was a reason to be thrilled. But then, somebody said, well, you know what that came at the expense of, don't you? You know all that herd of swine that we had? Yeah, those spirits came out of that man went into those swine they tell me and they ran down into the sea and were drowned suddenly these men that were excited over the fact that legion had been delivered this maniac of gadara had been set free they were thrilled about the fact that he had been made whole suddenly these same men turn on a dime And they look at Jesus and said, get out of here. Leave. Don't come back. They told him to depart from their country. Why? Because, Lord, it's all right you deal with my problems. It's all right you take care of my problems. It's all right you answer my my prayers. But leave my pigs alone. There's some things I'm never going to let you be king over. There's some things I'm never going to give you authority over. There's areas of my life I'm never going to yield to you. There's areas of my life that I'm never going to let you be involved in. I'm preaching to somebody in this place. He doesn't want to be king of just a little bit. He wants to be king of everything. He wants you, the only way you can get the blessing of God is to yield to him is to totally surrender to him. God's not interested in just being your problem fixer. God's not interested in just being your your temporary, that person that you call on when you're in a jam. But God wants to be king of kings and Lord of lords in your life. And so I got a question for you this morning. Are you going to allow him to be king? Are you going to allow him to be Lord? Are you going to allow him to be that one that's in control? Things are a whole lot better when he's in control. Things run a whole lot more smoother when he's in control. Life is a whole lot better when he's uh, he's at the helm of it. uh, When he's in control of it. Just stand with me right now. Let's raise our hands to the Lord. Come on, let somebody call out to the Lord right now. Dear God, I need you. I need you. Hallelujah. Come on, let's talk to him for a moment. Thank you, Jesus. Who's going to allow him to be Lord of all? How many is going to put him on the throne? David, I don't want you just to make me feel better. I'm not interested in just getting a little hoorah and a shout and leaving uplifted emotionally, but I want a real change in my life. I need a difference to be made in my life. Do something within me. Change me. Change my attitude. Change my spirit. Change my focus and my motives. There's things in my character, God, that I don't like. I need you to change me. I don't want a temporary fix. I don't. I don't want a patch. God, I want to change. I want to be restored. I want to be renewed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I wonder, there's anybody that would come to this altar and bow knee before the Lord, and in doing so, you're saying, God, I put you on the throne. I make you king. God, I yield everything. I'm not holding back. I surrender all. I I yield to you right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, let's find us a place before the Lord. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you.